Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to part two of this episode of Move. Jamie, are you ready? Dude, I'm always ready. I'm strapped in. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to be inspired, which is our word that we love to use. Let's do this. Part two of Move. Danny, I want to ask another question because um, you said that you, you won an innovative competition and you won £100,000 doing that. Firstly, what was the competition? How do you enter and how useful was that £100,000 yeah. at the beginning? Yeah, so basically, uh, also just to give the context, I had this great job. I was at Murray Stopes. I was head of research, working four days a week. I had a small baby at home. No plans to leave that job. Uh, no plans to do anything different, really. Um but then, yeah, this idea of LV just kept, you know, just kept nagging me in my head. And and I just couldn't let go of it. I think the first thing I did actually was I went, I knew nothing, right? So I went and bought the Financial Times How to Start a Business <laughs> 2013 book. And I thought it was going to tell me how to write a business plan because I don't know what a business plan is, but I'm sure it's going to tell me how to do this thing. I was expecting like, you know, step-by-step guys. <laughs> Open chapter one and it was asking me really hard questions. It was like, how much money do you earn? How much money do you need to earn? How much money do you want to earn? How is your life generally? And as I went through and I asked myself these like actually really personal questions, I put the book down. I was like, I'm not starting a business. It's not <laughs> for me. It really put me, yeah, it, it basically taught yeah. me through how hard it is. And it's so hard from a financial perspective too. So I just basically put the book away. I was like, I'm not, not doing this. And then didn't think about it for about six months. And then... Um, Actually, through my job, met a guy who worked at What If, so Innovation Consultancy. And I was like, oh, I've had this great idea, but I can't tell you. Because also, I was probably like a lot of the listeners out there, like you have this idea in your head and you kind of think it's so amazing. But you think if you tell anybody, they might steal this, is this just idea. This a classic. We talk uh, about it yeah. quite a lot. Yeah. And uh, this guy, Meldrum Duncan, he just said to me, Tanya, like, you've got to go out and tell everybody about your idea. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he was like, because, look, if it's a great idea, you know, basically, if it's if it's – a great idea, but somebody can steal it, then it's a shit idea, right? Because it means it's too easy to copy. And uh, if somebody criticizes it, then all they're doing is they're breaking it down and they're improving it. So I started going out and talking to people, and that's when I realized my actual idea at the time, the service model was not going to work. Kept sort of thinking about it. And then I met a guy, again, serendipity, who'd been like the manager of like the cool band at university, a guy called Tom Adiula. He'd started Metail and... Um, and I was like, wow, he started a business. I need to go talk to him. And he just mentioned that he had won this R&D grant through Innovate UK, which was a government uh, agency. That's all he told me. I literally just wrote down a note, Innovate UK. And I went home. I thought, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. So I thought, I better take four days off work to fill in this application form. <laughs> took four days off work. I sat down with this, like, massive form. And I looked at it, and I was like, oh, I just, like, I don't even know what these questions are. Like, I had to write an essay on what's your exploitation plan. I was, like, Googling what is exploitation plan. But, again, you need to be also, you know, you need to constantly be 
creative and how you drag in other people who might know. So I was literally like, all right, I know a guy who works private equity. I'm going to get him to help me with the business bit. And then I realized I knew somebody who knew an engineer. Because, you know, the engineers were never very cool, right? So I didn't, I didn't, I didn't seem to know any engineers from university. And I managed to get him to help me write the tech bit. You know, you just blag it, right? Yeah. And, uh, and I sent it off. Uh, obviously, it took me a lot more than four days. But then, yeah, the morning I got the email saying you've won was just honestly... I think one of the best days of my life. Yeah. Because it had been this crazy idea in my head and then suddenly to have a, like a panel of judges say. And was that the yeah. moment then that you quit. went full time, yeah. you quit your job? and yeah. Quit my job then. And it helped, yeah, hugely because from a validation point of view. That's what I say, validating yeah, Validation, you. yeah. And, but also what you've got to remember in the UK, like I think a lot of people in tech, they start getting obsessed with wanting the right type of investor. And I'd say maybe there's are not the right type of investor for early stages. And everybody wants the big name venture capitalist funds. But they're really difficult to get on board at the beginning. They also, they, they just sap so much of the energy and legal costs. So basically, what I always recommend is actually just going out. You've got to find the right people. But basically, angel investors are great. If you can just find individuals who are going to get behind you and your vision. So off the back of that, I raised the first uh, 100K, another 100K. It's amazing because I think that a lot of uh, a lot of people want that validation at the beginning that you have an idea and you go, well, I think it's a great idea. Yeah. Does anyone else think it's a great idea? And when you get that validation, that almost gives you the push. But there's also a lot of um, things there where you, you said it yourself. You were in a very comfortable job. It, it, was, it was a very successful job. You're doing very well. You were working four days a week. So it was quite you know, yeah. you had your baby, you were looking after that. And that's quite a nice position to be in. Um, and you took that huge leap. To, to leave it all behind. Yeah. Um, and there are a lot of people who who have been through life and gone, I, I just never actually followed what I wanted to do because they were too scared. They were afraid of failure. They thought their idea wasn't good enough. Um, there's always a moment in someone's life where they can take two paths and they can go, I can go and do that. And that's the risky path. Or I could probably stay on this one and I probably know yeah. what my life is going to be like. What gave you that push? Was it winning yeah. this winning this money? Because still winning the money, you still go, oh, I don't really know what to do. You have to be pretty headstrong to go down that road which you don't know where it's going to yeah. go, especially with a child as well, being a mother. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely winning the £100,000. That was that was the thing I needed. I mean, I'm the kind of person I always just had loads of crazy ideas, but you need also you need support around you, I'd say, especially if you've got a kid and everything. So my husband... You know, he's just always used to roll his eyes every time I had a bad idea. And then with this one, he was suddenly like, you have to do it as well. Um, but also on that point, I do think, you know, people, yeah, entrepreneurs always say, leap before you look and just go for it and all the rest of it. But that's, it's bullshit, right? Because you also need to, yes, you need to aim for this wonderful new world that you don't know where you're going to get to and you go for it and just throw yourself into it. But you also need to have a plan for if things go wrong. Like, I know that sounds a bit boring, but like, I did think through, if this fails, what am I going to do? Um, and I kind of knew that I could go back to my job. And I also did have the luxury that time, actually, my husband, I knew his his job was okay. So it kind of gave us that safety net. And I'm saying that from a point of also knowing that I was privileged to be in that position because there are there are people out there who probably do have a great idea and would like to start a business and they... It, it, it's it's tough, right? Yeah. So it's I suppose I suppose that's probably what I'm asking because you know, yeah, exactly. And I, and I like the honesty. Yeah, you came from a luxury position where you were yep. able to do that. But for people who probably don't have that luxury and they don't have a plan yep. B, would you? Because I, you know, I, I probably have my idea of what I would do, but I, I don't know what the right answer is. I, yeah. I really don't know. Should you go for it? Should you not? What would you say to those people who don't have the luxury? Actually, they are probably giving up everything in order to pursue this dream. What would you say to those people? 
it's I think a hard it, yeah, question. Yeah. No, look, you still need to go for it. The reality is it's just going to be tougher, right? But in the same way, I could also say like going doing LV, like a vagina tech product was tougher than doing fintech. You know, like we didn't go for an easy option, right? You just have to work harder at it. Um, you need to de-risk it still in some way. Obviously, if you haven't got a security net, maybe you need to... Um, there's the strategies you can take in place that like you'll need to work evenings and weekends probably so really you know you need to get to a point where you're kind of conf- more confident that yeah, your I ideas think that safety legs. net that you talk about is yeah. actually really important though because if you don't have that in place then they, are you ever really going to push yourself yeah. as hard as you perhaps could do yeah. if there was something to fall back on and, and my idea would be that you as you say you have to find ways around that so whether that's yeah. downsizing or reducing your outgoings or working extra jobs to bring in extra revenue that makes normal life kind of move forward I think it's probably the way to do that so that yeah. you keep and moving I, yeah and I did that too I kept working like two days a week and you know you don't throw you'd be a bit silly to throw yourself completely into everything yeah. and risk everything but yeah, yeah you've got to go for it still yeah I, I, I actually again with this to keep going on about this talk last night <laughs> but I met this girl called Jamala who um, actually uh, she grew up in a rough background she then became uh, one of the youngest bankers uh, in the UK she's 26 now she was living in Whitechapel renting all these different things came from a really broken home um, and she's actually decided to quit everything because she wasn't challenging her enough she thought it was not challenging me she was sitting in board meetings with people and she said that they you know that they weren't bad but they were lovely people they were just different to her and she thought I just don't really want to yeah. do this and she quit everything and she now does motivational speaking and different things like that because that's what she's yeah. passionate about um and how important because this is a big topic that we think sorry is is purpose yeah right in life and how important is it to have a purpose and do you feel like you have a purpose now so can i can just go back to the of last course, for yeah. one second so i think the other difference is yeah right jamala she's 26 you said yeah the other thing i'll say is like anybody who's listening to this you just got to do it as well before you have to think about mortgage before you get married before you have kids like being an entrepreneur is all about risk-taking. You're going to feel risk. You're going to have to do things which are going to make you feel so uncomfortable. You're going to feel this fear in your stomach. You're going to have to just push through. But you've got to take big risks if you want to go big, right? We const- I just constantly feel sick with the risks we're taking at LV. <laughs> you know, whatever. We're, we're, this just gets bigger and bigger. But um, the point is, yeah, if you do it in your 20s, if you do it before you have any responsibilities, that's a much better time generally to So the sooner risk. you do it, the less you have to lose. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sorry about your question. And I, 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 by the way, I oh, totally yeah. agree with you. I think that we all, you know, make mistakes as much as you can when you're young because you are able to make those mistakes. When you're old and you've got commitments and you've got mortgages to pay and kids to look after and all these different things, it's a lot harder to make mistakes because you're not risking yeah. everything about you or you're risking yeah. everything else. And the problem in the UK is, right, is we, yeah, we learn the mantra from Google, you know, fail fast and learn, but I think we don't believe it. We just have it as a cerebral thing we don't really accept failure in this country whereas in the US it genuinely is like you leave university you go and fail and it's just cool to then talk about that failure you've had and in this country we're not there yet so there's this fear of failure still that I totally agree. We a lot of, and I'm probably victim to it. A lot of people talk about things, fail, you know, do you know other things where, and and probably I'm I'm sort of victim as I say, hey, you know, don't care about this and don't care about that because you know this is going to happen. And actually, we just say it because we're probably told to say it rather than actually believing it. But I actually 
actually generally believe that that failing is important because you need to fail in order to learn from it. And um, I think that's so important. And, and the other question is, is just about purpose, because I think that purpose is really important in life. And I think that a lot of people go through life without having a purpose and they just do things. We heard the statistic the other day that 65% of Americans are doing something called sleepworking, which is basically where they're just working because they just work. And actually, 13% like their jobs and 22% actually have a negative impact on the business and dislike that. 22% of Americans, huge amount. Do you feel like you have a purpose now? Do you feel like you're doing something that you're meant to be doing and that you love what you're doing? 100%, yes. Yeah, I know. Um, look, uh, we're... With LV, we are developing products that help women every day, which is just amazing. Plus, we're making shitloads of money, which is amazing. <laughs> yeah. We just raised $42 million. That we, is incredible. Like, we're going to be 150 people. We've got offices in four countries. So we're building this huge business. And I think what I'm excited about is, yes, we're going to show the world like that a new type of business is possible. Like That's my next goal. I like to always have big, hairy, audacious goals, and that's the next one right now. Um, a BHAG. Yeah, BHAG, exactly. A BHAG. But, um, you know, I think, as I said, I believe in the potential of tech. Yes, it can do great harm. Yes, it can do great good. The huge uh, optimism that we had behind some of the big tech companies, they're now, you know, particularly with a big Facebook scandal at the moment, people are quite disillusioned around tech. And I think out of this, out of these ashes, there'll be a new generation. And that's my purpose now is to show with LV that we can do that. We can have a different type of capitalism, which means you can actually have a different type of world. We were talking just before we started recording that the last kind of six months for you has been the time where things perhaps have turned yeah. a corner and you've started to really enjoy yourself. And you talk there with a big smile on your face about how much you enjoy having that purpose. What is it, do you think, now that is the thing that really, yeah. really makes you smile? Well, because at heart, I think I am a campaigner. I've always been a campaigner and yeah. tech and business is just part of, is a vehicle towards that. Uh, but I'm smiling just because... Uh, you know, we've gone through that period of where people thought we were crazy. You know, people were like, you're never going to get vagina tech product in retail. You're never going to get a celebrity to talk about it. You're never going to turn a profit. You know, you know, whatever all these things that, that people thought we weren't going to do. So we've kind of proved them wrong. You know, next year we're on track for 100 million revenue. Um, and we've built this great team. So I'm just so proud because I think the other thing about being an entrepreneur is we're never happy with where we're at. Totally. There's this constant like, got to do more, got to hit higher. And even the numbers that we're hitting now, I wouldn't have imagined we would have hit five years ago. Yeah. Um, but I'm smiling, yeah, because I feel like we're in a good place. And for me personally, I, you know, we all have imposter syndrome, I think as an entrepreneur, like, especially for me. I it comes up a lot. Yeah. It comes up a lot. So it took me a while a year ago. I really wasn't sure for me as an individual what I wanted to do out of this and as part of this. And now I'm kind of this, just because of Jamie's question around purpose, I realize that's, that's what my role is now. It, it's and also in in the nicest way possible. It's a bit of a fuck you to all the people who say yeah. you can't do it, and that is great because <laughs> when you have an idea and you say, "Well, this is good," and you get all the people who have been in the industry or been in in, in um, that world for so long, they kind of go, "Hey, well, no, it's never going to work." You're like, "Well, I think it's going to work." So, what what gives you the right to say it's not going to work? It goes back to the same thing with our sweets. When you know my parents told me it wasn't going to work, or someone told us that you you can't make sweets that are going to cost two pounds forty nine. That's just impossible. Never going to work. Yeah and all these different things. And actually, it irritates you because you're kind of like, well... I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to prove you Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah. The other thing is, you know, as you said, you're making, you're doing 100 million revenue. That's just incredible. Um, and when you first started, you know, making 100 grand is just like, oh my God, but 100 million is so much. Do you think as an entrepreneur, as a founder, do you think you ever get to a point where you sit back and you go, okay, we've done all right? Or are you always going to strive for more? Always going to strive for more. Sure. But I think try and celebrate the, the wins as well along the way, right? Because always people burn out too. Like, you know, you're, I think particularly in purpose-led companies, people are giving this extra something. Like people who join LV you know, they've drunk the Kool-Aid, right? They, they they give heart and soul to this. So, uh, yeah, celebrating the wins is important. As and well. you're almost 100 people now at LV? Yeah, we're 100 people, London, Shanghai, New York, and just opening up an R&D centre in Bristol. How so. the hell do you keep up with that? How do you continue to kind of nurture those people and build a culture? I don't even have 100 and... friends. How do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, if yeah. I was having a wedding, there wouldn't be 100 people there. <laughs> <laughs> if you find a wife. Yeah, 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 yeah. if I find a wife, exactly. If you, you might need to understand a bit more about the vagina. That's why I haven't found a wife, I think, because I know nothing about vaginas. <laughs> but it's true, 100 people is so many people. So how, you know, do you know everyone? Do you get to know everyone? How do you manage that amount of people? Yeah, um, it's completely, yeah, my job, like, I think you just have to recognise your job keeps changing as a CEO founder. And, uh, you know, some of us, the three of, the four of us who were right there from the beginning, we're still there now. And, we miss the early days, like the early days where like anything goes, there's no rules, there's no processes, you can do what you want. Especially for me, I come from the UN, like working in a massive bureaucratic organization. But then after the yeah, 30 people, you need to start like putting in processes and have policies and uh, things which, um, you know, make it more like a normal company, right? But then your role changes. So, uh, but the key thing is, yeah, I think startups, they grow so quickly, right? So we went from 30 to 100 this year, another 50 the next year. And and it is; it can be frenetic. And I think what I hear from other founders, which are trying not to do, is you just race so much to hire people so quickly, and then you lose the culture fit. You get the wrong people in. So uh, definitely, like focusing on recruitment. And I think one thing actually, which Alex Asali brought in right from the beginning, is because he started to Jawbone in California. Like their mentality is different; they don't really bootstrap it as much as we do here. So even though I only had two hundred thousand pounds, I had two. I hired two graduate engineers on basically. Um, graduate salaries, uh, he was like, no, got to go big, got to go and hire like an expensive engineer from Dyson, even yeah. though we had nothing. And really? so we had to blag it on how we we're going to hire this expensive engineer from Dyson. Wow, so you but, headhunter, um, you were going to go and headhunter Yeah, we went, like, literally like my first hire, went headhunter, John O'Toole, he's still with us now. Um, but the point being recruitment, 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 and your team, I'm sure everybody keeps saying that, but you just need to hire the best people. It's always more expensive than you think it's going to be. But whenever um, we've done that, we've 
not regret it. I think it's true. And I, I, we were always told, taught, Jamie and I, when we first started out, that you don't hire for today. You hire, we're trying to hire for sort of two or three years ahead yeah. of where we want the business to get to. And that forced us to perhaps spend more than we wanted to spend on people. And, and you think, how the hell are we going to afford this person and how are we ever going to get to that point but eventually i suppose the business does catch up and if you do just hire for today then you're always going to stay in that yeah. in that place but also i think what what you point on there is so important to uh, anyone who's starting out is that you miss the old days in a weird, you're yeah. so you're more content now. You're happier now. You feel great now because your business is thriving and it's exciting and it's fun and you're able to do the things that you always wanted to do at the beginning. But it's true. The for the listener, when you're starting, those are the most exciting times because you're on a shoestring budget. You can do anything you want to do because you're like, well, let's just give it a go and try it out. And and for Ed, I remember Ed and I had a conversation, you know, a while ago. You know, we have 22 people working for us around about now. Um, but it was exciting at the beginning because we said, well, let's go and make T-shirts now. Let's just go and do yeah. that. And, and the next day we did it. Where now there are a lot more hoops to jump through and, and different yeah. things like that. And so it becomes it, – it, it's it's – it's much more fulfilling now because people know our brand and like for you, people know your brand. But at the beginning, those are the exciting yeah, times, yeah, yeah. isn't it? It's like the sort of Wild West in a sense. Because you're creating something out of nothing and that is the magic of being an entrepreneur. Um, so yes, I've gone through those 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 periods of self-doubt, wondering if I should bring in a professional CEO, what my role is, and then realizing, yeah, the two things I am great at doing and I love doing is the campaigning and the creation, creating something out of nothing. But for now, actually can keep doing it at LV. Like I can just keep creating different strands within LV and, and, um, but it, yeah, you're absolutely right. Those first days are the craziest, the adrenaline, the it's sleepless nights. It's the highs and the lows. And the highs and, and also talking about it is just the best because you kind of go, hey, well, and, and, the, and there's nothing <laughs> cooler. There's nothing cooler than us being 22, 23 years old and saying we're entrepreneurs. I mean, uh, that, that was <laughs> And we totally were. We had no idea what we were doing. But I found it so great. And we made yeah. business cards because yeah. we thought it, this is what you did. It was very exciting. I just quickly want to touch on um, having a co uh, a co-founder and having someone uh, help run the business with you because a lot, you know, the statistics say something like 72% of businesses have a co-founder. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people do it because they, um, it's quite, it's nice to go on the journey with someone. It's nice to lean on financially. It's a bit mm -hmm. easier, all these different things. Um, but it is also so important to find the right co-founder. Um, how did you know that your co-founder was the right person? Yeah, and also just say, I, so I ran LV for a year before mm, he joined. Exactly. And also he wasn't a typical co-founder. Totally. He wasn't, yeah, day-to-day. -day. And I think the reason I say that is I'm actually a big proponent of doing it by yourself, at least to begin with, until you know what you need. Because so many people say that they use... I think people go into a team of co-founders partly because of lack of confidence yes. that they can do it alone. And if you don't know what the business is, you don't know what the product is, you might have a team of people where your skills are not complementary. And I hear that again and again, particularly for non-tech entrepreneurs like myself. You bring in a CTO because you think you need them, but you don't even know what you need. Um, so I would say, yeah, if people don't have a co-founder, I wouldn't go and actively search one just so that you can have somebody to hold your hand on that journey because there'll be lots of people. You know, what you need to do is what I did, which is find the mentors and put together a board of people who will also be advising you and then take your time with finding that person. And then, again, I'm sounding like a pessimist, but so much goes wrong, right? So, yeah, your stats are right around the percentage of co-founders, but what percentage fall out and break up mm. and all the rest of it. So a very boring book called Founder's Dilemma. I don't know if you've heard of that one by Wasserman, but it basically goes through, I feel like the FT has sort of business book, <laughs> goes through everything that can go wrong. Every little fuck up that can happen between co-founders, it goes through. 
and it's very depressing. But then at least you can at least prepare yourself um, on how you would deal with some of these tricky issues. issues. You know, t- typical problems you hear all the time. I'm putting more weight than the other person. How much equity are they getting? How much equity am I getting? I think I should be the CEO. You know, I don't know how the two of you cope with it, but it's a... Uh, it's a difficult relationship as well, right? Ignore all of Jamie's ideas. And <laughs> crack yeah. on to do well. Well, Ed, Ed and I, you know, Ed and I were uh, sort of extremely lucky, and, and you know, Ed Ed runs the business, you know, that and that's Ed's very good at managing people. That's what he's very good at, and yeah. he's the one. Ed's amazing at asking the questions that no one else will ask, and I think that's really important of um, of someone who's running the business. But I think you're right. I think we were clear from day one on that. So we were yeah. we would you knew we you were. were yep. In hindsight, it looks like we were smart, but we weren't. It was just <laughs> it was we mistake. were yeah, it yeah. Was a we were lucky enough that we had that conversation, at, you know, right at the very beginning, and split the responsibilities and have stuck to it really yeah. quite rigidly since then. Yeah, I mean, I would say one thing. Yeah, is, look, I think choosing your co-founder, sorry, choosing your co-founder is like choosing an investor with both of them. Like, just take your time, be confident enough to trial them out, and check that what they're saying actually you know, actually translates into actions because people often promise the moon, right? Yeah. Uh, and back to you, actually, one of your questions you had earlier, have we ever turned down investors? Yeah, because first of all, for ethical points of view, there's a lot of money out there that I think is unethical. So I think you need to look at where the money's come from. Uh, but also just when I, there's been a couple of people where I haven't turned them down and then they can be such a pain in the ass as well. Yeah. So, And and, and also, uh, again, we say the same thing. Once you give away equity, it's, you can't get yeah. it back. It's very hard to get back. So make sure you know who you're giving it to. Um, Tony, also, there's one question that I do want to ask, which is, it's kind of a cheesy question, but I think it's also important. Uh, throughout, you know, having grown your business, having throughout your life, what is the, the biggest piece of advice that you now live by? Live by, I'd say, you know, life's short, make the most of it. Don't sweat the small stuff. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Again, I'm going to say it one more time that this talk last night was just pretty interesting. <laughs> but Joanna said, you know, she she she's only 26 years old. She said, you know, at the end of the day, life will go on with or yeah. without you. Yeah. Um, so make the most of it because if you, you know, it, it will continue. So when you know that life will continue, you kind of got to sort of go, okay, yeah. right, let's get on and do it. And it sounds like, Jamie, you have kind of... Searching for a purpose at the moment, or finding one. <laughs> I do. I think. I think. I think. Pur- purpose for me. I, I. I. think. I found. I think. I found the purpose of what. What I want to do, and 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 I think we're living it as well. I think we really. I think that actually, um, this is why this podcast is so great because we get to talk to individuals like yourself and talk to, to loads of different people and actually hopefully inspire the young generation. And I think going back to that uh, uh, selfish thing, I think I was selfish for a long time because. I just was. And I think actually that life is about being selfless and actually inspiring and talking and, and spreading the word and actually helping others. I think that's what's so great about life that actually it's not about you, it's about others. People say the best friendship is is giving rather than receiving. And I think that's so true. And it's all about giving. That's that's what I think. It sounds very moral of me, but I yeah, actually yeah. do think very, it is. Jamie, obviously very moved by last night's <laughs> event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think new, Jamie's new discovering man. something called love. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I think that's what it is. I don't know what you're describing. I think that's what it is. <laughs> so thank you so much, Tony. Yeah. It's been so, so interesting anyway to hear all about LV and your journey in the femtech world. It's a fascinating story and you're obviously doing a great job. We ask every single guest before they leave us one of the same questions. And that is, if you were to start a completely new business tomorrow, <laughs> what would that be? Uh, I'm just going to write it down. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so we're disrupting women's health. So uh, I think actually men's health is probably what needs to be disrupted. Yeah. So actually, something I used to tell investors when they ask me what's your next product, I always say, oh, yeah, we're disrupting Viagra. Right. Like, 
can I write the check, please? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Janet, honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on Move. I hope you had a fun time. Uh, and please come back. It's been Thank great. You Thanks, guys. Thank you Thank so you. much. Do you know why I love doing this podcast, Ed? It is because we get different people from different walks of life, from different businesses, from everything different, telling us about different things. And the fact that Tanya shared her story of how she built LV, where her kind of inspiration came from, was fascinating. I had no idea about how how huge Femtech is. I know. I mean, I guess, hopefully, just like us, some of the listeners at home have learned about something completely new today that, like you say, otherwise we probably just would never have talked about. Really, really interesting story. And I think... So brave to go and challenge something that is such a taboo and such a such an issue that perhaps people kind of feel a little bit embarrassed about. As, as Tanya was saying, even as a woman, you don't necessarily have the confidence or knowledge to go and talk about these things that are your body and really affecting your life. So, yeah, I mean, amazing story. What an incredible business. Um, clearly, clearly having a big impact. If uh, you enjoyed the podcast, go and check out LV, uh, an incredible business. Go and check out Tanya as well. What an uh, inspirational person. Uh, Love the episode today. Thank you to Tanya for coming on Move. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening. Honestly, it really does mean a huge amount. And we also hope today's podcast has inspired you to move towards your dream or passion. Now, if you like the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a comment. And if you'd like to get in touch, please email us at move at moveclub.co.uk or follow us on Instagram at moveclub. Until next time, this is Move. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.